thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Church, how about the name of Jesus? Man, isn't it something else this morning? Man, thank you for our team who, uh, who led us out so well this morning. So grateful that, that you are here. And as we, every Sunday together, work hard to connect everyone to the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that together, we can make much of Jesus. And if you're visiting, we are honored by your presence today. And thank you for being here. I also want to say this, Zach and Aaron's grandmother who is also affectionately, I got to marry into the family, uh, but she is here today along with some aunts and uncles and cousins, and we just want to welcome them all the way from Alabama this morning. Thank you guys for being here. And I'm not going to say anything bad about Alabama because y'all are from there and we love you guys from Alabama there. And so glad that you're here. Glad you're here this morning. As we get started, as we continue in our series through the Gospel of John, here's where I want us to begin. And that. How did that get there? I, who, who put that? And you know, somebody wrote on my sermon something said, I said, it's great to be. A Tennessee, I don't know who put that there. I just, all of a sudden I'm a sermon today and man, what a good Sunday to gather together. Now, I mentioned last week this about the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is simple enough for a child to wade into and yet deep enough for an elephant to swim in. So yet again this morning, we push away from the shallow end and we continue to dive in the deep waters at our faith. And today we continue in a gospel written by John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. John, who by early witness of the church, is the author of the gospel that bears his name. We begin again in John chapter 1. So take your Bibles, turn it together there, and let's talk about the central theme of the gospel of John. Remember what the end is of our time together, and that is what John wrote. He said, these are written so that you may what? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That is our goal together. Last week, John made the factual And the incredible assertion of this truth, that in the beginning, Jesus already was. I mean, in the beginning, Jesus already was. And so today, we have one simple task, and together, we are going to shine light into the darkness. Last week, I shared with you that the opening verses of the Gospel of John are an echo of the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. John begins with, in the beginning, just like Genesis 1, 1 does, does. And I shared with you last week that I have a leaflet. And this leaflet, Brother Ken gifted me this, and I'm so grateful for it. From 1625, an edition of the King James Version Bible. What I hold in my hand is 397 years old. And, and last week it said one thing, and 397 years ago it said the same thing. And in Genesis 1-1 it still says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That means it's still truth today. It was truth last Sunday. It was truth 397 years ago. And it was truth at the very beginning. And that is the very echo by which John begins his gospel. In his first verses, one of our main takeaways from last week was kind of dispelling this thought that sometimes creeps into our minds. This thought that, man, God came on the scene of creation. 
Jesus came on the scene at Christmas, and the Holy Spirit came on the scene at Pentecost when the church was born. No, no, no. John is teaching us an incredible truth. That in the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit already were. That in the beginning, they t- together, they took part in creation. God the Father is speaking, Jesus Christ is creating, and the Holy Spirit is hovering and shaping. One God, three persons in the work of creation. Because you see, in the beginning, Jesus already was. It's clear that John is making the emphatic, the unequivocal statement that Jesus is not just some religious leader, not just some historical figure, not just some moral teacher. He's not just some man. Jesus is God. And he continues that case in today's verses. Whereas last week, we looked at Jesus, his relationship with God as God, the second person of the Trinity. Today, we look at Jesus and his relationship with, with you and I. His relationship to his creation. You see, we begin John chapter 1, and starting in verse 4, and before we kind of hop into verse 4, let me read you a little bit before that. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of all mankind, John writes. The light shines in the darkness. And watch this, the darkness has not overcome it. You see, we find again two themes that are common in the Gospel of John. Life and light. Now, of course, John has already made the case that Jesus is the source of physical life. Look at verse number 3 just for a moment. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. But not only is Jesus the source of physical life, he's also the only source of spiritual life. We talked through this a great deal last week together. Hey, don't you know that there are a lot of people living on this planet, but very few people actually have life? And when I speak of life, I'm not just talking biological life, like brainwaves, heartbeat, and breathing. I'm talking about theological life, spiritual life, eternal life that only Jesus can bring. But I want you to know, not only is Jesus referred to his life as we spent a great deal of time talking last week, but also in verse 4, Jesus is called light and Five more subsequent times in the text, Jesus is referred to as light. And so here's what's important to know. In this echo of Genesis 1-1 that is John 1, I want you to note this. That not only did God create light in Genesis 1, but throughout the Old Testament, light is synonymous with God. Light is synonymous with with God. Look at this. God is described as light here in Psalm 76.4. You are radiant with what? You're radiant with light. And watch this. God is defined as light. Another Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my, my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I love that the theme of life and light together again in the Psalms just as it is in John chapter 1. 
is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. We see a description of one who is to come that would be light personified, light clothed in flesh. And Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 is a description of Jesus 700 years before his birth in that first Christmas light of Bethlehem. Take a look. These people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. That on them a light has shined. So the question becomes what, better yet who, is the light that John is referring to. Watch this, John would later write in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this simple statement, God is light. He would follow that up, and in him, There is no darkness at all. That God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So let me translate that for you. Jesus is God. God is light. Therefore, Jesus is light. In fact, Jesus would say this of himself later on in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. He would say this, that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of. Life. Jesus, as John makes the case, is the light of life who has come to shine his light on those in deep darkness. It would be on a road to Damascus that Saul would encounter this resurrected Jesus. And there Jesus, the light of life, would shine his light on Paul. And he would give Paul, who was formerly known as Saul, an incredible description of why Jesus came. So here's what Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts 26, 18. He said, I came to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they might receive forgiveness of their sins. You see, Jesus, the light of life, stands in stark contrast to darkness, which is the disease unto death. Jesus is the light of life. And in verse 10, life is personified, and the light of life cannot be overcome by darkness. That is the promise of the Gospel John here in the text. You see, the mere presence of light chases all darkness away. And John's beginning to teach us all about it. You see, he would continue to write in verse number 6, Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John, by the way, He's not speaking of himself. He's speaking of another John by the name of John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. You see, John introduces another John, John the Baptist, who will play a key role in the life and the ministry of Jesus, but also a key role in next week's message. And so for today... We are merely quickly introduced to him. And I want you to note the importance here that John wasn't the light. He was only a witness to the true light that is Jesus. In verse 9 and 10 it says this, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And yet we see the first bit of bad news in a gospel filled with good news. Yet the world, they did not know him. A little bit of bad news in a gospel filled with good news. The world did not know him. His creation did not recognize him. 
And in verse 10, we find this is second piece of bad news, that he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Not only did his creation not know him, his creation rejected him. And this is where we find, you ready? The source of darkness. Physical darkness is the absence of light, and spiritual darkness is the absence of the light of the world, who is Jesus. You see, Paul would write to the church at Corinth, naming the culprit behind such darkness. And watch what he writes them. The God of this age, and notice the little g, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There are so many who are walking in darkness nowadays. By believing, you ready? Being blinded by the messaging of the enemy, by Satan himself, who here in the text is called the little g, the God of this age. And whose singular goal, as we were reminded by J.D. Greer a couple of weeks ago, that the devil's singular goal is to convince us to join him in rebellion against God so that we can accompany him to hell. By the way, still not convinced. Too many, so many, today walk in darkness. And this was pretty evident. Last week, a team of 10 of us here from Connect Church flew over to Colorado, to the Denver area, to the Denver city, and we began to start establishing relationships with some brand new church planners, brand new churches in the Denver area. You might say, well, why Denver? Well, out of a population of 4.7 million people, 92% of the people in the Denver area are lost, are walking in darkness apart from Jesus. It gets even worse inside the city where nearly 96 to 97% of the city proper are lost and walking in darkness. It's hard to believe in America that that could be the case, but let me just kind of size it up for you. There is one like-minded church in the Denver area for every 32,000 people. In the city proper, right there in the heart of the city, that statistic is more like there's one church for every 52,000 people. Guys, I'm going to tell you, Denver's unchurched. And it's lost. Let me, let me put that into further perspective for you. There is one marijuana dispensary for every 2,006 people in Denver, one brewery for every 7,666 people, and no, Mom, you can't move to Denver, okay? Uh, but, yeah, I know, we're not putting you on a plane, I know. But, guys, at best, one church for every 32,000 people. Denver is filled with darkness. So much darkness in a state and in a city that sees over 300 days of sunshine. Too much darkness in a land that is surrounded by the beauty and majesty of God's creation in the Rocky Mountains. I can't wait to share with you in the coming days about our partnerships with local church plants, but I've got a question for you. Man, what are we to do with all of this darkness? Well, John offers some really good news coming off a couple of verses of really tough news, bad news. And that is this. Look at verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who, watch this, believed in his name, he gave them right 
to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or born not of a human decision or by a husband's will. But watch this. Children born of God. Now listen. In previous verses, there might be those who did not recognize Him and even those who rejected Him. But all oh, the story of those who by faith receive Him and welcome Him and love Him and follow after Him. Oh, what a story we have. Now let me remind you of a couple of things. This idea of what it is to be a child of God. You ready? We are not children of God because we are merely His creation. We are not children of God because we bear His image. In fact, all humanity does. We are not children of God because we are loved by God because even chapter 3 verse 16 Jesus would say, for God so loved the world we are only children of God when we receive by grace the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the light of the world, and place both our faith and our trust in him and follow Jesus with our very hearts and our very lives. Hey, then, and only then, are you and I the sons and the daughters of God. Then and only then are we children of God. But what do we do? with still so many, too many, walking in darkness today. Well, let's go back to this Old Testament echo, this Genesis 1 language of light and darkness that John utilizes in his gospel. Let me remind you of one of the first acts of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 through 5, the Bible says, And God said, Let there be light. Remember, God was speaking, Jesus was creating, the Holy Spirit was hovering and shaping, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. Now watch this phrasing. And he separated the light from the darkness. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning on the first day. The Bible teaches us. You see, the first act of creation was separating light from the darkness. Hey, by the way, let me remind you of this truth, that Jesus, through his Spirit, is still at work separating us from the influence of darkness, while at the same time sending us to impact the darkness with his marvelous light. Now we're beginning to see what exactly it is we are to do with darkness. Let me remind you what Peter would write to church. In 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You ready, church? He has saved us from darkness. He has called us out of darkness, and he has defeated darkness through his death on the cross and through the grave he emptied three days later. Darkness has not and cannot overcome, overwhelm, or overpower the light that is Jesus. And thus the good news here in the Gospel of John. But watch this. I love this promise. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the language of the New Testament, in the Greek language, this is not speaking of light as some type of energy or some type of force. Not speaking of light as science would define it. Rather, it is personifying light. 
in a person that is Jesus, for darkness itself cannot overcome him. Oh, but what of the darkness? And so many who are walking in it. What do we do about the darkness? Can I give you two challenges today from the text? The first challenge is this. Number one, what do we do about darkness? Have nothing to do with darkness. Hey, believer, have nothing to do with darkness. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, I love what Paul says. He says, I have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Have nothing to do with darkness. Rather, you know what you need to do? You need to shine light on darkness and expose it for who it is, what it is, and what it does. Have nothing to do with the darkness. Now, you see, the greatest darkness of man and his heart is not found and sourced in the God of this age, little g, but sourced in the very desire so many of us have to be God of our own lives. It's the idolatry of self. In our sin, we try to establish ourselves as God over our lives, or we fashion an idol where we create a God who exists for nothing more than our own pleasure, our own happiness, our own good. And all of a sudden, in such idolatry of self, in this fashioning God in our own image, we find out what it truly is to walk in darkness. I love this, and I've shared this before, but Tim Keller tweeted this out. If your God, little g, never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. And therein, the greatest darkness that this world faces. And so you know what, believer? Hey, disciple who Jesus loves, darkness is no longer dominant in your story. Rather, the light, the love, and the life of Jesus is. Hey, stop messing with. Stop flirting with. Stop playing with darkness. Listen to what Paul would write. He'd say this in 1 Thessalonians 5.5. You are, watch this, children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Hear me, church. In Christ, you are children of God. You do not belong to darkness. You belong to Jesus, the light of the world. You might be hearing me say, Anthony, listen, I, I'm struggling. I'm in Christ, but there's some darkness that's creeping back into my life. And I, I'm letting some darkness kind of creep back in. And What do I do? Well, in that case, here's a few things I want to challenge you with. Number one, Get into and read the Word. Hey, I've got darkness coming back in, creeping back into my life. Man, what do I do? Man, get into and read His Word. Listen to this in Psalm 119, 105, and I love this in the King James Version. It says this, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Man, we're not reading it. We're not into it. That is the Word of God. Guys, we have no lamp, and the light grows dim. Some of us wonder, man, why is it the darkness is creeping back in and you done left your lamp at home and you've yet to shine any light on the path you're walking? Get into and read the Word of God. Here's the second thing. Refocus your worship on Jesus. Man, we are so, we are so easily 
distracted in our worship. We begin to worship, man, our schedules or maybe our, our families. We begin to worship what we want and what we desire. And before long, those of us who are walking in the light because he is in the light find ourselves kind of off the trail, off the path, beginning to walk again in darkness, and we wonder why. And because our worship is off. We have focused our worship on the wrong things or the wrong people. And so when darkness starts creeping back in, refocus your worship on Jesus who said this, and I love his promise, I am the light of the world. Remember this from earlier? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. That's a promise from him. Is your, is your focus off? You need to refocus your worship on Jesus. And here's the last thing, you ready? What happens when I find darkness creeping in again? Stop buying into the lies of darkness. I love what 1 John says, first, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Stop buying into the darkness and says, hey, you know what? You will be happier with sin and self than you are with God. Things will be better off if you're the God of your own life. If you make all your decisions. Hey, listen, you want to know what real living is, the lies say? Man, live life by and for yourself. Hey, stop buying into the lies of darkness. And walk in the light as he's in the light. Anthony, how do I walk in the light as he's in the light? Hey, you ready? Get into and read his word and refocus your worship on him. That is how, day in and day out, how we walk in the light as he is in the light. And here's what we begin to see. That we cannot, believer, become part of the darkness through our sin and our selfishness and our self-worship, nor can we surrender to darkness even when it seems it's all hell itself is breaking loose around us and against us. We do not bow. We do not bend. We do not break in the face of or under the weight of darkness. So have nothing to do with darkness. And here's the second thing. What do we do with this darkness? Here's the second thing. Do everything you can to reach the darkness. That doesn't quite sound right. But it's exactly what Jesus taught on that great sermon on the mount. And I've stood there, and this next year I'll stand with several of you there again. As Jesus taught on this hillside, in his day there was a city on a hill just behind him. In the Sea of Galilee, in that region, at nighttime the entire area was plunged into dark. You couldn't see anything. And yet on a hill... There was a city filled with light. And it's the only thing your lights, your eyes would focus on. The only thing that you could see. And it was with that backdrop that Jesus began to teach in Matthew chapter 5. And he would say this to the people. You are the light. Wait, wait, wait a second. John 8 says Jesus is the light of the world. When the light of the world is in you, you become a light to this world. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people take a light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know what Jesus is saying? When I am in you, you let your light shine in the darkness. Here's a key point, and I really want this to be hammered home today. You ready? Jesus didn't save you so that the gospel would stop with you, but that through you the gospel would continue its work 
and reach others. Hey, you ready? Let me simplify this challenge. Hey, Christian, quit hoarding the light. Quit hoarding the light. I'm going to read this again. Jesus didn't save you so that the gospel would stop with you, but that through you the gospel would continue its work. And watch this. And reach others. The problem today, especially in the American church, is we have far too many believers who are hoarding the light, putting the light under that basket and hiding it. Grateful that it saved me. Never mindful of the others the gospel has come to save. I've loved the story by a boy by the name of Robert Louis Stevenson. Grew up in Scotland. In those days, steam, street lamps didn't just come on automatically. People were hired to light each one individually. One evening in particular, as the lamp lighters went to work, climbing their ladders, lifting the glass lid, lighting the torch, shutting the lid, and climbing back down, they would move on to the next lamp. And young Stevenson, listen, he was absolutely enthralled with their work. As dusk settled into night, one light would be kindled after another, after another, after another. The young boy turned to his parents and said this. Hey, Mom and Dad, look. They're punching holes in the darkness. What to do with all this darkness? Believer, punch holes in the darkness through the gospel of the light of the world of Jesus Christ. Punch holes in the darkness. Hear me. Allow God and His Spirit in you to separate you from the influence of darkness while at the same time sending you out to impact the darkness. How? By punching holes in the darkness. You say, well, why? Man, why, why be about the task of punching holes in darkness? Because you know what? If you're in Christ, all of us remember the day that Jesus punched the hole in our darkness. You remember what it was like. You know what it is to walk in darkness, the coldness, the, the fear. And then one day somebody shared with you the gospel. They weren't hoarding the light. They loved you enough to share the light of the gospel. And all of a sudden, at the truth that God who created you, loves you, sent his only son Jesus to die on a cross for your sin, but Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day and that alone in him you could be saved. All of a sudden, God punched a hole in your darkness and brought the light that is his son into your heart and your life. I thank God for the people who love Jesus enough to love me enough to punch holes in my darkness. And show to me the great and the wonderful and the marvelous light of Jesus. I don't want to be, I don't want to be influenced by darkness in my life. But I sure do want to be sent by God to impact the darkness, to punch holes 
into other people's darkness with the gospel of Jesus. Can I tell you something? I hate darkness. In all my years of ministry, I hate what I've seen darkness do to you. I hate what darkness has done to me. And I hate what darkness is doing to people even as we sit here today. I hate it. But I sure do love and I sure do want to reach every person walking in darkness. I want to close with a story. It's three minutes and 20 seconds long, so hopefully you can stay awake for it. But I just want to read it to you. Max Lucado wrote it, and it's simply called The Cave People. I think it'll illustrate well where we've been today in the text. Max writes, long ago, there was a tribe in a, in a dark, cold cavern. And he goes on, and he shares. I just reset my whole iPad here where my story was. Zach, I hope I don't have to call you. There we go. There was a tribe in a dark, cold cavern. The cave dwellers would huddle together and cry against the chill. Loud and long they wailed. It was all they did, for it was all they knew to do. The sounds in the cave were mournful, but the people didn't know it, for they had never known joy. The spirit in the cave was death, but the people didn't know it, for all they had known, all they had ever known, was death. They knew nothing of life. But then one day, they heard a voice call out into the cave, I have heard your cries, it announced. I have felt your chill and seen your darkness. I have come to help. The cave people grew quiet. They had never heard this voice before. Hope sounded strange to their ears. When finally they cried back, how can we know you've come to help? Trust me, the voice answered. I have what you need. The cave people peered through the darkness at the figure of a stranger. He was stacking something. And then stooping again, he would stack some more. What are you doing? cried one from the cave nervously. What's going on? cried another. What are you, what are you making? One shouted even louder and still no response. Tell us! demanded a third. The visitor stood and spoke in the direction of the voices. I have what you need. With that, he turned to the pile at his feet and lit it. Wood ignited, flames erupted, and light filled the cavern for the first time. Well, the cave people turned away in fear. Put it out, they cried. 
It hurts to see it. You see, light always hurts before it helps. The fire builder answered. Step closer. The pain will soon pass. Well, not I declared a voice, nor I declared another. Only a fool would risk exposing their eyes to such a light. And yet the stranger stood next to the fire. And he asked, would you prefer the darkness? Would, would you prefer the cold? Don't consult your fears anymore. Why not just take a step of faith? And for a long time, no one spoke. The people hovered, hovered together in groups, covering their eyes, while the fire builders stood next to the fire. It's warm here. Come closer. It's warm. When all of a sudden, out of the darkness, a voice bursts forth. He's, he's right. One from behind them announced, it's, it's warmer. The stranger turned and saw a figure slowly stepping out of the darkness towards the fire. I, I can open my eyes, she now proclaimed. I, I can see. Come closer invited the fire builder. And she did. She stepped right into the ring of light. It's so warm. She extended her hands over the fire and she cried out, I can see. It's warm. Come, everyone. Come fill the warmth with me, she invited. And yet from the darkness of that cave, one of the, the cave dwellers cried out, Silence, woman! How dare you lead us into your folly? Leave us and take your light with you. She looked to the fire builder next to her. Why won't they come? And the fire builder answered, They choose the chill, for though it is cold, it's what they know. They'd rather be cold than to change. And the woman asked the fire builder, and live in the dark? And he said, yes, and live in the dark. The now warm woman stood silent, looking first at the dark and then at the fire builder. When he looked at her and said, will you leave the fire? And she paused for a moment and said this, I cannot, I cannot bear the cold. And then she spoke again, but nor can I bear the thought of my people in darkness. And the fire builder looked at her and said, you don't have to. Reaching into the fire, he removed a stick from that fire. Carry this to your people. Tell them the light is here and the light is warm. And tell them the light is for all who desire it. You and I need not board an airplane and fly to a city like Denver to see darkness. We are surrounded by it in our community. 
75,000 people in a population of 100,000 are in no one's church today. There are people walking in darkness who you work with, who you go to school with, maybe who you are married to, maybe living in your own home, on the ball team, where you do life and who you do life with. There are so many. Here, you ready, church? There are too many who are walking in darkness. And so what do we do with this darkness? You ready? We have nothing to do with darkness itself. We don't allow its influence in us. We walk in the light as he is in the light. But at the same time, we do everything we can to reach the darkness. We do everything we can to take the light that is the gospel from the fire and take it into the darkness. Because although we hate darkness and what it does to people, we love and we care. And we want to reach those who find themselves walking in darkness today. And while Jesus is at work in each of us, separating us out from the darkness, the influence of darkness, at the same time, he is sending you and I into the darkness with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with the darkness? You're going to be stepping into that cave all week long. What will you do with the darkness and those walking in it? Let's pray together. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.